Roses are red, violets are from heaven. You're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast, episode number 127. I'm not going with that, that's fine. I thought that was good. You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Box Scottish Football Podcast with me, your host Hamish Carton, for another very special look back at the weekend that was. I guess that there will be a lot of chatter on today's show, some heated debate perhaps, maybe just because um, this room is absolutely sweltering, which is what Andrew Gamba has just learned. Andrew Gamba making his second appearance. Return. Yeah, you're the re- back. The return all. Thank you very much for ha- taking me back after my first my first date, my first outing on the podcast. Thank you very much. Good to have you back. Lewis Kemp also for some reason joining me in here. Yeah, returning once again to this warm room. You're like Derek Boyata at the moment. You just don't miss games, do you? That is true. I mean, he's... Or podcasts. I'll uh, hopefully get enough 40 podcasts in before the end of the season. Through in the other room in the distance over there we have Callum Fisher. I'm like uh, Rob Kiernan, a Burst Ball fans hate mob have tried to get me out of the podcast, but here I remain. And Johnny Clark, who are you like? Um, I'm trying to think of a steady Eddie. Uh, probably Brian Easton. Chris Smith. Yeah, I'll t- I'm not Chris Smith, come on. Yeah, I'll take Adam Barton. He got Player of the Month once, hmm. so I'll take that. And who does that make me? Uh, Scott Sinclair. Oh. Don't know why. Because that's, that's you're moving away to Germany soon. Scott Sinclair. Does that mean that um, whoever you are is moving away to Germany too? What, Brian Easton? Yes. Apparently so. Good luck on your adventure, big big man, big Brian. One good hope. Yes, um, I'm afraid we have to go into the, the big matter of the weekend. We'll come to the Scottish Cup action. There's loads and loads to chat about in the predictable Scottish Cup where shocks just don't happen. And... Um, we're going to come on to that later. However, we're going to start with what's being aptly dubbed Resignate Gate. Um, basically, as we all know, Friday night, um, it was a kind of where were you when this happened moment. Because GFK Mar- moment. Yeah, it was, it was kind of in a Scottish football sense a wee bit like that because it came out completely out of the blue that Mark Warburton, David Weir and Frank McParland um, had resigned um, from Rangers and would be leaving the club. It then emerged, uh, courtesy of BBC Chris McGlog, um, that Mark Warburton was denying having resigned. You following this so far? And that we then got the impression that he hadn't resigned. What were Rangers putting a statement out? There was chat about, has the, the website been hacked with the 1690 password that everyone knows about from Trainspotting? All that kind of stuff. It then emerged, and everyone kind of was thinking at this point, Mark Warburton isn't going to continue as Rangers manager. Whatever the case is, He's finished as Rangers manager. Anyone else want to take the mantle on from here? Because I'm struggling a wee bit, Cal. Um, I I mean, at the time it was a bit of it was a very odd situation. Um, I think me, Johnny Lewis, and Gamba were all in the same room actually in the in the lovely front room in Craigie Way, um, watching the telly or something, and, and it just broke. And um, what the yeah. telly broke. Yeah, yeah, but the telly just yeah, the telly just a bit exploded with the with the drama that was uh, happening in the room. Um, it was uh, it was a very strange situation on Friday. Um, we weren't really sure what to make of it. Why did things end like this, then, Johnny? Because they they say in marriage, and it's fitting we're talking about marriage on on a wonderful um, Valentine's Eve 
<laughs> they say that the divorce says a lot about the marriage, and mm. certainly the divorce at Rangers wasn't very amicable, and um, it perhaps says a lot about the way the marriage was, certainly in the, its later stages. Yeah, I think most Rangers fans will have a lot of respect for Warburton, the way he tried to play football. Uh, I can see Fisher shaking his head, but I spoke to my, my dad, obviously a Rangers fan, as soon as it happened, and he said he's got a lot of respect for Warburton. He just doesn't think he's the right man to to take the club forward. You know he always tried to go around his business um, on and off the pitch in the right way. It just wasn't working out. But I think it's quite strange the way that it, it happened. The fact that it wasn't you know, on the on the Monday just after the game, mm. it was they left it all week. Um Obviously, there was the business with Nottingham Forest, which... So, correct me if I'm wrong, in simple terms, Warburton, Weir and McParland saw an opportunity to move down south. The opportunity then fell through. They'd already agreed with Rangers at this stage that they would be moving and leaving the club. They then tried to backtrack in that when the opportunity was lost down south and Rangers said, no, we're bigger than you, which Rangers, of course, are. We're not putting up with this and we're going to call your bluff and, and say that you've designed. So, is that what happened? Yes. Um, there's a little bit Slightly more to it as well. By all accounts, Warburton had tried to pull this one before um, with Fulham at some point um, in the past, whether that was this season or last season. I would imagine it was probably more last season, um, given I think they, they changed their manager halfway through last season. Um, and the board let that one slip. Um, there's been an issue between the board and Frank McParland and Warburton's defence of Frank McParland, basically, obviously, Frank McParland came in with a bit of, a, you know, a, a big reputation, um, <coughs> and the recruitment, and I think, I mean, I, I don't think it takes a genius to work this out, hasn't been up to up to standard. And Dave King made that point in his statement on Saturday, mm -hmm. he said, first season recruitment went really well, they had a plan to invest money in the second season to compete for second place, get a European place and then play European football in the next season. Warburton asked for extra money to accelerate this because he felt that Celtic were catchable, which I think a lot of people thought in the summer. Warburton received the extra money and the extra funding for the likes of the players we've seen signing and the recruitment was nowhere near as strong in the second half in the second part second season of Warburton's reign. Well, McParland's remit for players appeared to be ones that he's worked with before and players he saw at Ibrox on a Saturday because every home game you've seen him sat in the director's box. Um, the board weren't happy about this. Warburton, there was a board meeting about two to three weeks ago um, where Warburton, now this has been dressed up as a severe dressing down of Warburton by certain sources, by all accounts, and this is just people on forums and things like that who in terms of supporters, are quite reputable with telling the truth. Apparently, it was just a performance review, and as far as the Rangers board were concerned, this is how they will act with any manager. Mm. Um, and I think we've seen it in his press conferences. Warburton is very, very defensive of his own ideas, um, and I think plainly he didn't take it well. Um, there's also been things today... Like, I mean, the board was suspicious of Frank McParland anyway. Apparently, Warburton was unhappy that the board wouldn't sanction £1 million for Johnny Hayes. And they wouldn't confirm the Reese Oxford deal on loan. Um, now, if Frank, if we are paying Frank, McFar Frank McParland a hefty sum of money, and the best he can identify is Johnny Hayes. Now, Johnny Hayes is a good player. I appreciate that. I'm not saying that. But as that comes back to my point about his remit being anybody that he sees as play and players that he's worked with before. Um, I think... 
I think it was quite right. I fully back the board on what they were doing. Friday night was a shambles and the statement was shocking, to be quite honest with you. There was grammatical errors and things like that. Callum Kerr would have been proud of that one. <laughs> uh, that's a bit of an inside joke amongst the podders here. But um, it was... The way they went about it wasn't great, but I think the right decision has been made. Um, and I'm... Judge, given what's now coming out about Warburton and the way he went about speaking to Nottingham Forest... Um, I am I'm quite glad that he has now left Rangers. Um and it's sad to say I'm actually quite glad that David Weir is out of Rangers as well because mm. for somebody that captained us to three three league titles, a European um a European final and, and cup finals and things like that, I think you'll find a lot of the support don't want him anywhere near Ibrox anytime mm. soon. Um, and I think the same can be said for, for the for the trio because they've they've messed Rangers about, um, they've shown their leg to anybody down south that, that would want to look at them. Um, and quite frankly I think it's time that everybody remembered that, that we're a, we're Rangers, you know, this isn't Brentford. Um, and hopefully the next man that comes in will, you know, show show the club the respect it deserves. It's a shame because the first four months were great, and it was it was a, a it was a wee bit of hope that we needed after the abysmal season we had before it, and and getting beaten by Motherwell, and mm-hmm. you know for a while it was it was pretty bleak. Um, but I think come since November December of last season, it's not been great, and I think and I, I, I just as you were saying about Valentine's Day and relationships and all that, I think. Whenever you come out of a relationship, professional, personal, whatever, and you take a step back, you realise that there's maybe things that you should have looked at sooner. Myself included, I think I'll agree that um, I was maybe too too firmly on Warburton's side because out with that cup semi-final last season and very few performances in between, we haven't really watched any good football in about 18 months. Hmm. Gamba, who does this reflect badly and perhaps if anyone well on I'm I'm not sure whether anyone comes out of this particularly well. Uh, as has already been said, Warburton going down south to try and get the Forest job. I mean, I've even seen uh, one of the interesting things about this is I've, I've even seen a Forest fan who says that uh, this has this kind of thing has all the dealings of their owner of it all over it. So Warburton going down south while he's still in charge of Rangers, allegedly to speak to Forests, mm. doesn't come across very well. Rangers saying he's resigned. And letting him do the press conference on the Friday seems very strange mm. if he handed in his resignation on the Monday. I don't think anybody comes out of this particularly well. Um, Especially not Jim Trainer either. <laughs> That's another thing. Um, if I were the Rangers board, I would be looking at another uh, PR company because Level 5 are an absolute joke. Um, mm. And Jim Trainer definitely hasn't justified his uh, salary at Ibrox. But that's just my opinion. I wonder why when Rangers released the statement, and I know they probably did it to kind of Obviously, they knew it was going to provoke a massive reaction. It's a massive statement, but why they didn't sound out the press before them and, t- and tell them that Warburton was going to deny being resigned and, and tell the story? Because he came out on the Saturday and pretty much told the story. Why not do it on the Friday night and just mm. put it all to bed? That's only kind of beef I have with Rangers. I think Rangers have done the right thing. I think Rangers are much bigger than Mark Warburton will ever be, and they don't deserve and they, they shouldn't be treated in that way by a manager who hasn't really done a lot to merit. A big move down mm. south this season he certainly hasn't yeah. last season fair enough we're going to come on to his, his reign at Rangers and what we think of it and that kind of stuff but yeah I wouldn't say it reflected terribly well on anyone especially Warburton and, and Weir as well and McParland I suppose mm. as well um, 
One of the really interesting things in the King statement is when he said that, I believe there's a reference to Warburton when he came out of the job basically said, yeah, I view this as a as a stepping stone to, mm. to down south. And I think the term EPL is used in there. Now, I mean, it's interesting to see that he potentially is looking at a championship club maybe mm. to go there. That I thought that was quite interesting. But What about players that say that all the time, though, when they go to Celtic and Rangers? Should it be different for a manager? <laughs> maybe not. I mean, if you're, mm. I get it's this thing. If you're good enough, I mean... Celtic fans will remember that those are some of the first words that uh, Mohamed Bangura said when he walked into Celtic. Is I see this club as a stepping stone to down south. You know, yeah. if you're good enough, you'll end, you'll be a, mm. you know, you you'll be a, a Martin O'Neill. You'll get a, a a big job down south. A, a Walter Smith going to Everton, Virgil Van Dijk going to Southampton. Ah, mm-hmm. you you'll get these moves. But if you aren't good enough, then it's just it's just not going to happen for you. You have mm. you have to be good enough and. I mean, they're sitting, what, third in the league? They're saying they should be second this year. What do you give Mark Warburton's reign out of ten as per a rating? Six. You want um, well, to develop mean, that? Well, just what everyone else has been saying, I think he had a decent, very very decent first season. I think he, I think the bigger things that he improved were almost as the culture of the club and... Um, you know, almost brought a kind of winning mentality back to Rangers, which it may have been sorely lacking under McCoist's um, reign in charge. Um, this season has been a complete and utter disaster for them. Um, has it though? Yeah, they're still sitting third in the league, well capable of getting second place. I think with the players they brought in, though, you were expecting a lot, a lot more, and it's just it's not happened at all. Johnny, um, I'll give him a, a seven. I think the start of his reign, like everybody said, was decent. He'd done well in the in the championship to bring a feel-good factor almost to Rangers in the championship. I don't think this season's been a complete and utter disaster. I think they're probably a bit below expectations. However, I don't think it's been um, a total They're not They're not seventh in the league. They're not fighting relegation yet. Yeah, I think, I think they are... They're not far from targets. They're five, five, ten points behind, obviously, because Celtic are so much better than... Every other team in the league, it makes it look worse. Yeah. But I just think we're in an alternate universe here, and Warburton, Warburton gets the Nottingham Forest job early in the week. I don't think everybody's laying into him as much as they are now. I think some people are probably viewing that as a negative thing for for Rangers. Is mm. there somebody to, out there to replace him? We've got McLeish, etc. But is there a better alternative mm. right now for Rangers? We'll come on to that uh, in a wee second. I'd split his reign at Rangers into two parts, which I think you need to yeah. do, because it's night and day. It's a game of two seasons. First season, I would give him an 8 out of 10. I think he brought the fire back to Rangers that had been missing for, for so long. He'll be remembered for, for winning the league. You could argue he won the, Pet- the Petrofact training cup, which isn't something you'd be judged on, but had he gone out of that, like previous Rangers managers, he would have been slaughtered. So you've got to hand him that as well. He won that competition, beat Hibs 6-2. He put Celtic out of the Scottish Cup, which was at the time an absolutely massive result. In the end, it didn't really matter in a way because Rangers lost the big one, which was the final, but that, that was a massive moment for Rangers. And in a way, it was... Um, in a way, it was the worst thing that happened to him because because that was the, that was the day that woke Celtic up into this new this new idea that, that Rangers were going to catch Celtic. A lot of folk thought Celtic, uh, Rangers would be able to catch Celtic. I think that meant that he was suddenly gone from hoping for second place next season to be challenging Celtic because he'd shown how close they were. The gulf wasn't there anymore, and it totally has been there this season. Celtic have gone forward this year, but Rangers also have declined this season. I'd give them. 
I'd give him probably a three out of ten. I think he'll be remembered, and I think his reign in general will be remembered for the five-one defeat at Celtic Park, the four-one defeat at Tynecastle, cup defeats and defeats in big games. The Hibs finals one that will always be remembered. But his record in away games, away to Aberdeen, away to Hearts twice, losing twice, away to Celtic, even in the away championship, to Falkirk, Falkirk, yeah. twice last season, away to Hibs twice last season, lost all of those games. For me, that is what Warburton will be remembered for. I don't think he's been a disastrous, uh, or he was a disastrous appointment because he took them to the the championship. But I mean, I give him an eight. I took them to the Premiership. Sorry, I give him an eight for his first season, a three for his second season. I'll go back, bang down the middle, and give him a five uh, for his total reign at Rangers. I think it's a story of could have been so much better, and uh, he's not lived up to his potential after the first season. He'll probably be remembered fondly because of what came before him as well. I mean, McCoyce and McCall ended up as absolute disasters, and he did. He got he got them out of the championship, and that that hadn't been done before. So I mean, yeah, I mean, a five or a six, I would say, um, competent, maybe not what Rangers need or what Rangers want. You know, it's that that good old cliche of you know, it's not got the Rangers psyche or mentality of mm. Rangers man. A Ranger, uh, well, I suppose there's that kind of thing of you know, second best won't do, and they're sitting third, and they're saying, well, second's aim. You know, maybe 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 they'd be looking for something better, but I think he'll be remembered relatively fondly. Um I suppose it's it's more difficult, I guess, if you are actually a supporter of the club, which obviously the listeners will know that the four of you um aren't. At the moment, between a four and a five for me, I think the first four months, as I said, were great. Um, I think I'll go back to a quote I used myself on this podcast at the time. I could listen to him talk about the yellow pages and it'd be interesting. <laughs> that soon turned into condescending pish that, quite frankly, insulted the fans' intelligence. Um, the last month or so in his, uh, of his reign, he, he went a bit Tony Mowbray-esque mm-hmm. in his quotes. Um, yeah. As you say, the, the, the semi-final was great and I, I still maintain it's one of my favourite ever Rangers experiences. But I've seen us beat Celtic before. We lost to Hibs in the final. At the end of the day, I will take beating whoever in a final um, because it means we win something. The semi-final was great and it gave us hope and it was the brightest day and what had ba- had been a horrible, horrible few years for us. Um so I will appreciate that, but what I don't appreciate is the utter capitulation in the cup final. The fact that we are now in February of 2017, we've had issues with the defence and the midfield since September of 2015. The the downright arrogance to, to change, the the do let's do plan plan, a, uh, plan B is to do plan A better, which wasn't washing this time last year, never mind at Tynecastle a few weeks back. His recruitment in the first window was good for the for the league we were in. He then put too much stock in someone which, as the more information comes out about him, sounds like a complete con man. And there's a reason, I think, Frank McParland has not lasted at many clubs for too long. And I think more of that will come out. Um, and just finally, the way that he treated the club and the supporters with a complete contempt in the last week or so, um, as Johnny said, if he had left on the Monday with and gone to Nottingham Forest, I think everybody would have gone fair play. He's maybe realised that it wasn't working. Um, 
and we move on. Thank you very much, and we move on. He's, I mean, he said he, he barefaced lied in that press conference on Friday. He said he was down speaking to a player mm. when he was down speaking to Nottingham Forest. Yes. Um, that, that's something I'd like to pick up. I'll let you finish your point first, but it's something I'd like to pick up on as well. <coughs> yeah, I lying. think for me, listen, I think if, if, if this episode proves anything, it's the only people that you can trust at a football club really are the supporters. Um, he had the full backing and the support probably up until. I think mine, a lot of them, the kind of a larger group of people started to to sway against them as this season progressed, and I think Tynecastle was the final straw. So for me, I think it's a four out of ten. Had as Johnny said, he gone at the start of the week, um, and had just been honest about it, we'd have maybe been sitting at a six, maybe even a seven. But for me, I just think the, the way the whole thing's falling apart. Um, I think he's 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 undone any. Uh, any of the good and he certainly lost a lot of goodwill amongst the, the supporters with the, with his actions Yeah, certainly, I mean speaking when, when I, I spent my time uh, at the Scottish Sun in, in the week building up to the, the cup final uh, against Hibernian, there was a lot of chat at that point about Joey Barton apparently um, joining Rangers and I know a lot of the journalists there really couldn't take to Warburton because they knew he had lied to them in press conferences before they had said he had said that there was no interest and the moves were complete fabrications when they had then found other evidence so I think lying was actually quite a big part of his press conference and Warburton in general in his time at Rangers I don't think I don't think you can forgive that to be honest I think that's one thing you cannot forgive as, as a manager lying to, to the press and to his own fans I don't think that is on at all. In terms of the, the successor, you kind of brought it up a wee minute ago, Johnny McInnes, McLeish, Davies, someone like that. Um, I think it'll be McLeish, personally. Short term to the end of the season. I think that'll probably be what it, <coughs> what it will be. I Actually, speaking to Callum before the podcast, he reckons that McLeish won't take anything longer. Well, he's not got anything better waiting, which is a good point. Because um, I actually, I was wondering if he would take it to the end of the season, but I've I haven't watched that Sky interview before the game against Morton. There's absolutely no doubt that McLeish would take the job. Um, I think McInnes, I'm not certain. I know he is, or he has a Rangers pass, but I'm not sure if he would... Um, I don't even know if Rangers would approach him, first of all. Um, I think he would be a good a good move for Rangers, but I'm just not sure. We've but certainly got a wee campaign going, don't we, Lewis, for, for McInnes? For McInnes, Just, just yeah. purely for the... The unrest it would cause everywhere. Scottish football yeah, would be destroyed it by it. Be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't see them. I don't see McInnes taking the job in a kind of caretaker role or, or to the end of the season. Um, nah. Whereas I think McLeish is probably more likely, given that I think oh, he's obviously made his kind of case clear that he would probably would take it on a caretaker role. Um, that, that that's probably the same for the likes of Billy Davis and stuff like that. I'm not really entirely sure if they would take it um, <laughs> is, short term. Is that what Rangers need at the moment? A caretaker manager to the end of the season. Does that do any good? <sighs> I suppose it's damage limitations, isn't it? But I, I, I don't think they, they can afford to finish third. So, what do you mean by that? Because finishing third well, and second, I suppose it is exactly the same. Yeah, ex- yeah, I don't know. I just no but you, you, do, you do get more money. There's a, there's a pride and the thing fact there that you well. finish below Aberdeen, I suppose, mm. is what probably means quite a bit to Rangers fans. I mean, like, if Rangers don't get a, a steady hand in, 
you do look at the teams around them, like Hearts are, are looking kind of all right at the moment. Aberdeen are, we know what they're like, and even teams like St. Johnson, like you do have mm. slight worries if there was, if it was to be someone like Graham Martin charged at the end of the season that Rangers could finish fourth or, or even fifth. Like you do have slight worries there because this isn't a Rangers team that you would go out there and you'd say straight away, or oh, the players will do the business anyway. This is a team that clearly needs a leader and you don't see one on the pitch. I think we'll, I think we'll see what kind of faith the Rangers board have in the team because if they think that the team is far better than the the the, the teams round about them I think they, they may stick with Murray for a wee while but mm. if the board don't have the faith in the players to get let's say third mm. then I think you can see a McLeish coming in quite quickly um, I mean I was thinking about this recently there's kind of parallels to the Lennon's first couple of months yeah. in charge of Celtic I was thinking you know would you would you see Rangers saying to Graham Murray, you can take the team till the end of the season and depending on how well you do, we might give you this afterwards. I, I can't see that happening, really. Um, no. I think Murray's probably just going to be there for a wee while and then yeah. he'll bring I don't think there's any else. chance that Graham Murray will be there for a considerable length of time. I think he is just a stopgap and, and then there'll be another stopgap comes into the end of the season, in my opinion. I think McLeish is probably the obvious one. He's the, the one you could go out and get. He's the one who knows the club. He's the one who... You'd probably back to take them to second because he'd, he'd get a kind of instant reaction, um, McLeish. But then again, he's he's not played, he's not managed any of these players before, so you, mm. I don't know. It's a difficult, and they're all, they're Warburton's players. That's the thing. Yeah, I, th- I just make one more point, and I'll let Callum come in because I know he's wanting to say some stuff about this. I just think that first of all, I think there's still a twist to come, and I want to point out that Nottingham Forest. Haven't actually appointed a manager yet. I don't think, and they get leathered. And have they? Put, they gave They've it. Gave, to given a boy to the end of the season. I was sure. Was it the end of the season? Ah, it's they end gave of the season. Yeah. All right. I thought they just had him had him on a caretaker role, but I think Warburton. There'll still be something down south for him. I think. I think he could end up going on to managing the championship. And uh, point Alex McLeish. If if he gets appointed till the end of the season and finishes second, then. What are Rangers going to do? Just say to them, right, that's that's fine, thanks very much. Right, like, there's the door. You can't really. Uh, you see can't them, really yeah. I think that was. Do they then go on that and say, right, you've done good here, here's mm. the job? Or it was a plan with Stuart McCall, though, wasn't it? Mm. They, probably, even if Stuart McCall had taken them up, Warburton would still have been uh-huh. the next Rangers manager. Celtic tried it with, with Neil Lennon. I mean, when Neil Lennon came in, there was still that summer a lot of chat about we need a, a recognised manager. Stuart Baxter, and like that. Could we see Stuart Baxter as director of football M- and uh, M- Motte as head coach, perhaps? McCall was never going to be the permanent Rangers manager. If we had gone up this season, it was very likely that Vitor Pereira was going to come in. Um, in terms of McLeish, I think he'll be the, the short-term manager to the end of the season. I mean, you saw him in the Sky Studio yesterday. It was like a group of pals asking their pals that's just lost his virginity what happened. He was absolutely beaming when he was getting asked about Rangers. Um, it was a whole Rangers man shtick. I would accept it until the end of the season. I think me and Gamble were having this conversation earlier on, but not a day more. Um, I think he would at least... Uh, he would organise the team. The, the thing about McLeish is, you were, when you were saying there about how it's not his group of players, that's when Alex McLeish does his best work. When he's coming into a group of players, he did it at, um, at Rangers the first time around when he was at the Cats team. He did it at Scotland. The problem with um, Alex McLeish is when he tries to bring his own players in. That's when you get your um, your Paolo Vinolis and your Zurab Kishnishvili's. Hamid Amucci still only 32. He's playing in Somehow. the... He's playing in the... the He's playing in some like, like Belgian second division or something like that. So I mean, um, 
so I think McLeish will come in, um, and I think we, it'll be a lot more of an organised Rangers team. It'll not be great to watch, but it'll be a harder team to beat, and I think that at the moment is what Rangers need. Um, you were talking there about Derek McInnes, <coughs> not interested in Derek McInnes at all. Don't want him anywhere near Rangers. Um, he's fine for a club at Aberdeen, but he's not going to push us on to where we need to be and where we want to be. Um, Tommy Wright as well, I think, falls under that category. Billy Davis especially falls into that category as well. I think longer term, there's a lot of talk that Rangers are going to have a look and see with the director of football model. And I, I'm I'm a fan of that, I think. Um, because the thing with the director of football, which you see abroad, is the managers change a lot. The, the people around the manager and the structure of the club tend to stay the same. So, for example, if we had a director of football just now, first team operations would be a bit up in the air, but things like youth development, recruitment for the summer, um, player contract scenarios, they would all be still be getting dealt with by the same person. Um, and the idea with the director of football is that they stay in that role for a good length of time. Mm. Um, <coughs> two of the most successful kind of examples of this in British football well I mean the one most successful one is Southampton another notable one is, is Spurs which Johnny will know about as well um, so I, I would like to see us go down that route and then we have a coach um, or a, well um, he'll still be a manager but a, a, somebody in there that, that just focuses primarily on the first team and in terms of recruitment and things like that he can then liaison with the director of football and just be a, a bit more of an efficient operation because I think everyone will agree that last summer's um, transfer dealings were a complete shambles, so I think we need to we need to kind of move into that direction a bit more. Yes, well, um, life had to go on for Rangers yesterday. They played against Morton. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Graham Murty was the caretaker manager for the match, and if he never manages another match for Rangers again, he'll go out with a hundred percent win record gamble because they they took care of Morton Rangers through to the next round and. In all honesty, game on its own, it's the kind of game that a lot of folk were tipping Morton to go and put Rangers out of the cup. So, I mean, in that regard, they did their job. Yeah, I suppose it's one of these ones where uh, I think Pat Nevin said it on sports scene that it was a case of, you know... We don't usually quote Pat Nevin in this do, podcast. Do we not? Sorry, I'll, I'll see myself out. Um, I think the players kind of took care of it, made sure that they, they, they kind of got the result that they needed. You saw Kenny Miller scored, kind of stepping up to that. Um and I mean, I suppose they, they showed a, a good kind of temperament coming from behind to get the win. Um, you know, in previous years at Ibrox, there have been teams that have gone there and gone one nothing up, and Rangers have really, really struggled. So, no, I thought I thought they did. I thought they did okay. Um, I thought Morton get, gave a, a relatively decent account of himself, considering the fact I believe they were playing like no recognised striker in the game. So, um, Morton will probably feel that maybe on another day they. They, they could have gotten a better result if they'd had a fully fit squad but then again Rangers will probably say oh, if we'd had a proper manager in charge we probably mm. could have put you to sword so I, I mean Rangers will probably be happy they've just gotten the result out of the way and they're, they're still in the hat Morton certainly they're without Oliver and Katongo at the moment and a few of those chances later on in the match yeah. if they if they fall to the right men other than Celtic lonies, um they'd probably <laughs> be heading into the back of the net yeah, there's the obviously the more notable one right at the right at the end of the match. Um, I think that's a tough chance. You think? I think he's got about four men running at him. Nesbitt's one early in the that, game is easier for me. That's the setup. Ne- well, Nesbitt's one. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think both of them are, but um, I still think you should have been doing better with that that last one. You're just kind of blowing it over the, the bar. I think I really do think you should be doing better. Um, that being said, 
yeah, I thought you know, Rangers were unspectacular, but they got the job done, and uh, I think that there's a wee bit of credit for that, given that um, I think a lot of people going into the game were maybe tipping Morton to get something from the game. Mm. Morton unlucky not to take it to a replay, Cal. Um, I think over the piece we deserved it. We started to get. I mean, see, up up until Morton scored, I realised it was only seven minutes in, but we actually looked like we played with a bit more freedom, um, and I thought we looked like that throughout the game. Defensively, we're still an absolute nightmare, and I mean, at this stage, it really is going to take some serious coaching to come in and sort that out because Senderos, I did, he did grow on me throughout the game because he's just a big mental. Bald looking centre half that just charges about the place, um, but I suppose if Morton take those chances, they will feel a bit unjust. But I think the way we played, we were a lot more direct and we, we were a lot better in that sense, and we we, we could have had three or four. Um, so I thought we were we were worthy of our win, um, and under the circumstances, I thought Graham Murray showed a bit of flexibility. He changed the formation, obviously a four four two. We looked. It was th- which was a wee bit surreal. It's been a while since I've seen Rangers play four four two, but I mean he did what you can ask, and the fact that we went a goal down, and you're thinking, you know, Morton who are doing well in the championship, this could get ugly. But the players responded quite well. We weren't great. I mean, I'll, I'll, I suppose I'll sum it up the way the way Connor Park, who was at the game with me, did. He went, um, Senderos is. Pish, Halliday's a nightmare and Waghorn's too slow but other than that he's been, been alright So I was going to talk about Martin Waghorn because I, I thought he looked quite good I mean it probably goes without saying he's playing against a championship team so he's going to he's going to kind of play well but I thought he was pretty good Johnny or Callum whoever wants to take uh, the mic I'll go before uh, go Johnny I, I, th- I agree with you I actually thought yesterday um, he, he was quite good albeit it did look like he was running through treacle at times Um but I thought he deserved his goal. Some of his touches and his link-up play was really good. And it, it he's, you kind of heard it in his, his post-match interview. I think he was just happy to be back out playing. And he, I mean, there was reports in one of the paper that there was just about floods of tears at uh, Howie when, when folk had heard Warburton had left. I, I don't think uh, that's true in any case, but certainly don't think it would have came from Waghorn. He seemed quite pleased, actually, and as if he'd kind of a sense of relief. Um and I thought him and, and Mackay were our two best players yesterday, so I'd agree with you. I thought Wycon, and I'm glad he got his goal as well. Johnny? Yeah, having watched him against Wycon uh, against Hearts, he was dreadful that day, but he's, uh, maybe it's just a, a change of formation that he suits, but I think sometimes when a manager, especially one like Warburton, he's... He's very strict with his formation, Warburton. You have to be, yeah, rigid is a good word to describe it. You have to be there at this point in time. Waghorn, to me, seems like a player that when he's got a manager who lets him roam free, maybe a bit better. And you see this after, it can be a couple of years or it can even be a long time with a, a manager's in charge. And as soon as they leave, the, the, the reins are off, so to speak, and the players go and play with freedom. I, I think Waghorn could benefit from this. Um, if a manager comes in that, that lets him play his way, I think he could be um, quite a decent player for Rangers for the rest of the season. Yes, we'll move on now from all things Rangers and Morton as well, and we'll move to two teams that we'll have to do it all again. I don't know quite what order this running orders, and is it just random? No, there's, a, there's a reason why the Fellman Hamilton is next. It's because um, they were they were last in sports here uh, Saturday night, straight after all the Rangers stuff. So 
no change there, but um, at least they're ahead of everyone else this time. Yes, uh, Dunfermline won, Hamilton won at East End <coughs> Park on Saturday. What's the general gist of this game? I mean, another 1 1 drop for Hamilton, no real surprise there. Even in the Cups, they managed to do that. Uh, poor defending from, from Ackes for the first goal, great finish from, from Paul McMullen. However, they did respond through through Danny Redmond. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Dunfermline might be kicking themselves a wee bit because they, certainly going by the highlights, they seem to have a few decent chances. Uh, especially in the first half, um, there's obviously a disallowed goal. We'll probably go on to talk about, but um, I, I really do think the film probably. I mean, I mean to be fair, on the balance of play, maybe deserved to be a draw. But I think the film had, had the better chances in the game. Um, Hamilton again, I suppose. Yeah, it's another another draw for them. Um, I think in the replay, I think Hamilton probably have to be favourites, just given that they are at home. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting anyway. I think I just think the film would have really, you know, it's a good chance for them to get in the quarterfinals, and um, I think they might be kicking themselves a wee bit. I watching. Sorry, just to jump in quickly, just to pick up on Lewis's point. Watching the highlights there, I agree. I, it was a bit strange how far down the pecking order it was. It seemed like a, quite a competitive game. I don't know if the first half was great by all accounts, but the second half seemed was was quite enjoyable to watch. Um, I, <coughs> excuse me, I probably just agree with Lewis there. I think. See, to be fair, Hamilton came into it more um, as the second half went yeah. on, so I think both teams will maybe regret um, not taking their chances uh, in the first game, but Dunfermline really should have had that game game one. I mean, they could have been three or four up at one point, so um, I still think Dunfermline might just come away with something, No, mm. but it's going to have to be a win. So. can also quite make a point that the pitch was a... Pretty much a disgrace. There was a, a close-up There was a close up of like the players at a yeah, corner like and like, part or something. Aye, the, the the foot was like submerged with mud. Yeah. So, so that mean, was that's the only part I've seen that was worse than the Tynecastle one out of all the fixtures. It reminded me of that Peter Jackson King Kong movie when they're down the crevasse in that mud <laughs> and there's like the big insects and stuff like that. I just literally couldn't escape from it. it was, oh, that's sad. Hmm. Yeah, we'll come on to that disallowed Dunfermline goal then. What is the, the general consensus regarding this one? Shouldn't have been disallowed. Yeah, I, I, I think if anything, um try to kind of remember how it went, but I think the, like, the, the goalkeeper's almost like... I think the goalkeeper he knows runs not, he knows he's not going to get it, Aye. and he's almost kind of looking for the foul before <laughs> he's already headed it back into the net. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think they could be feel feel quite hard done by there because I think that was very soft. Because mm. in the slow mo, sorry, <laughs> Mike was just out loud there. Uh, and in the, the slow mo, the way it's going, it looks as if oh he's about to back into him, but he, yeah. he stops. And the <coughs> keeper keeps going, and as the keeper keeps going, as you say, Lewis realizes he's not going to get it, shouts to the referee, and then plays for it. Um, and I think Dunfermline could feel hard done by by that because I, I don't think that's a foul at all, and it just comes back to. It's a very tired argument about goalkeepers getting too much protection, but there, that's never a foul for me. Yeah, the winner of this one, Johnny, will go on to play Rangers at Ibrooks in the next round, so it's a bit of a big one, this replay, money-wise. Yeah, yeah, that is a big um, a big one, especially, especially for Dunfermline, who, well, I was going to say they haven't played Rangers at Ibrooks in a while, but it's probably only been a few years, actually. Um, but no, it is probably money-wise for both teams. Hamilton are not going to get top six, I wouldn't imagine. So that would be their fourth game against Rangers, the Magic. Uh, four, they'd get... How many times they played at Ibrox? The opening day as well, which would have yeah, been good money. and they're still to money, play the so, next time, eh? So there'd be four free games at Ibrox in a season. So that would be, for a team like Hamilton, um, pretty essential. 
I don't think Rangers will have any problems um, in in the quarterfinals. Personally, I was very disappointed with the draw. I don't think you could probably have picked a, mm. a more depressing draw. You know, all of top four, if it's a bit like the league cup, isn't it? The league cup was similar this year because it was mm. it was just like Celtic Rangers and Aberdeen Hearts were already out. They all got different ties, but it makes for good semi-finals if the favourites all get through in the next round because you're going to have probably. Probably, I'm saying Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, or Hibs. Yeah, um, but even then, it's it's matches that we've seen so much this season already, and I, I do think it on Hamden, if you get, well, I'd imagine any of those games would sell out. Even if it was Aberdeen Hearts, you'd probably be looking for a semi final up upwards of forty thousand. Yeah. So, I do think that they're all really good ties. But personally, I'd rather have seen. Well, I'm not. Totally rolling these teams out, of course, but a team like Park Thistle, who haven't been to a semi-final and have had one in the last fifty years or something ridiculous, I think Gamba's maybe got some numbers uh, on that front, or maybe Air against um, I don't know Hamilton or Dunfermline. You know, one of those games. Hamden. No, 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 for the quarterfinals. <laughs> Winner, that's Hamden. But it's all. It all seems to be. And this, if you couldn't have weighed it more in favour of the big four, they're all at home as yeah, well. It's just pretty uninspiring. Those hot balls coming out to roost again in the Scottish Cup. <laughs> draw. You're talking about Partick Thistle there. A goal from... Who, who was Adam Barton, sorry? was That That was me, yeah. That was yourself. A goal from yourself, uh, giving a, a good victory at um, McDermott Park against St John's. And this is... Mm. I don't know, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Like, if it was a league game, we'd be talking about a bit of a shock. Yeah, it is a decent shock. Um I suppose we've, we've we've discussed whether McDermott Park really is a difficult place to go in in, um, in depth this season, and we've come to the um, the conclusion that it's actually maybe not quite what it's all um, built up to be. The Stoke of the North, I think, a little <laughs> bit St Johnston. Um, no, it's a great win for Park Thistle. Like we mentioned, they've got a really really poor record in, in the Scottish Cup, so a bit of excitement um, for them and a good cup run. Uh, I'm not saying. Normally teams that are in the middle of that <coughs> table are looking for cup runs. I'm not saying Park Thistle of a, a totally safe, but a cup run is always um, good to get the fans galvanised, mm. you know. And uh, it's a decent tie-up at Pataudry in the next round as well. As much as I've just slagged the draw off, I'm sure Park Thistle fans will be fancying their chances there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing for St. Johnson as well. I, I saw, um, well, first of all, I saw Alan Archibald getting attacked by the... The, the board, board behind us. <laughs> only at uh, McDermott Park um, but in terms of St John's and how important does this result then make fourth place for them it's the only way they're now going to get into Europe <coughs> who are they up for with Hearts against Hibs I wonder it's oh. an, uh, hi I mean it's, it's an interesting one because you know do you do you, <laughs> do you want to see Hearts get through there maybe Hearts go on to win the Scottish Cup and maybe see them push up to third. Would you rather see Hibs and you you know you'd rather see Hibs get knocked out by one of the bigger teams? I mean, I I find it quite interesting. Would St Johnson be supporting one of the bigger teams, you know, a Celtic or Rangers in this to to try and win it so they get the European spot? And I think as we discussed last week, um, it doesn't really matter where you finish in the table in terms of getting into a European place this season. It doesn't so at all. So, apart from obviously first because you're going into the Champions League. I think that's maybe slightly sorted. First place, <laughs> it, could be, uh, it could be, but if, say, for talking sake, Celtic win the Scottish Cup, fourth place then gets that, that European that European spot. So, I mean, you know, the, the, um, Hearts, Aberdeen and Rangers can't be complacent if they're assuming that, if you know, if they don't win the Scottish Cup then 
they're going to have to nail that fourth place down if they want to play in Europe next season because I always hate it when, when fans of other teams say, oh, we've got nothing to play for this season. What else does St. Johnson have this season apart from maybe trying to get in Europe? Yeah. Mm. No, it's interesting. I, I think St. Johnson, it, it's just... I don't know. I, th- I think they're just a wee bit flat to deceive sometimes. Maybe that's yeah. just slightly harsh. But games like Saturday when they should be winning it, maybe we're expecting slightly too much from them. They are still, I think, massively ahead of the team behind them in the league nine points or something. But it's the kind of game you looked at them to kick on. They sometimes in cups since since they won the Scottish Cup, they've not really done a hell of a lot. They usually go out at the kind of fourth round, fifth round stage out to Kelly in the Scottish Cup last season, out to Aberdeen. Um, which is fair enough in, in the Betfred Cup this season so I think uh, maybe a, a cup run would be slightly I, th- I, um, think, we're bit, I think we're maybe being a wee bit harsh because St Johnston um, get grouped into you know top five and, and rightly kind of rightly so but um, I think and I mean obviously the other teams all won their games quite comfortably this week um, which doesn't always happen like there was I think that's really the only game you can mm. say that's a shock that's a I didn't expect that one to happen. Even then, it's a kind of slight shock. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's not like Park Thistle went there and won four 0 or anything. You know, it was a pretty tight game, and he nicked the goal and they got the win. Um, but I just think maybe because they are uh, kind of grouped with these teams, that maybe we expect a bit too much of them. We have to remember where St Johnston are. I mean, or, or, or where they've came from. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that they were. You know, still in the first division. You know, it's it's been a you know amazing. You know, almost ten years. This has really been a kind of glory period for St Johnston. I, I, I don't think they've actually had a better period, maybe arguable in the history than at the moment. Maybe maybe this could kind of leads back to kind of what I was saying about Falkirk last year. Maybe they're just coming towards the end of this. I mean, oh, well, you horrible man. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, they are still, all these things yeah. come. All these things come in cycles. I think in football, it's so like, about domination is just mm. so. You know, unprecedented. You know, for a team like St. John, you know, we saw it with Motherwell. I mean, you know, they were up there towards the top of the table for what a good four or five years. St. Johnson, it's been five years, four years since they've won the Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. This maybe could be coming towards the end. Who knows? I hope not. I like St. Johnson. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, maybe Gamba. Like <laughs> On a depressing too. note, I'm sorry. Hey, sorry, well, St. Johnson fans. Yeah, St. Johnson fans won't be thanking you for that or the fact that they are out of the Scottish Cup to Partick Thistle. Thistle will travel to play Aberdeen in the next round. They beat Ross County also in an all Premiership clash, a 1 0 win away from home. Shea Logan with the goal it was I'm trying to remember it was a deflected kind uh, of deflected, was deflected, yeah, I was yeah. blaming the keeper Johnny disagreed with me we're going to have a fight now Johnny it wasn't I, I, I'm on Johnny's side just before he jumps in I, I thought Scott Fox had a tremendous game yeah some absolutely I mean he was great the week before as well Ibrox and he was fantastic here again some really really good saves um, that one he looked absolutely gutted actually uh, when that went in un- understandably but it takes a nick off the defender's foot and just mm. he still gets a I think he still gets a, a finger mm. on it but um, it takes it just away from him but I, I think it's very harsh to, to blame him for that it's almost like the highlights though they kind of like after it happens it's like oh he's, he's not happy with that one type thing like kind yeah. of close up of his face kind of make it out as if it's his fault and I think it was obviously a deflection and I completely agree with you Fisher I mean um, he was outstanding and he made some he made a lot of real great saves mm. in that in that uh, in that game and um, you know we bit unlucky not to get anything but I suppose Aberdeen um, were were probably worthy victors. Yeah, it's always when it comes to the Scottish Cup, it goes hand in hand with sports. Seeing me chat about sports scenes coverage at one point, 
And I thought, like, see their coverage of that game, I thought it was really good, like the highlights and all that kind of stuff. And it makes you just so frustrated that that is a Premiership match, that when games like that go on in the Premiership, had it been a Premiership game, yeah. we'd have got four minutes of highlights. <coughs> we wouldn't have seen all the brilliant saves from Scott Fox. Just please do something to sort it out so we get that every week. Because we were able to sit there, we were all watching it together on Saturday night. We were watching it and we actually got a feeling for the game. We knew yeah. how it had gone. Mm. It was. I know it was a big away support because it was a cup. It was a bigger travelling support than home support, Johnny. That's probably two things. It's a really good Aberdeen support, like they always get in the cup. Also for Ross County, it's maybe a little bit worrying. I know they had to pay for tickets for the match itself. It was like twenty-six pounds or something, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah, but still, more and more away fans doesn't really reflect well uh, on anyone at Ross County, really. No, well, there's two thousand home fans at twenty-six pound, twenty-six pound of tickets quite disappointing I think um, I'd like to see that a bit lower but I think they'd have got well you could argue that they've probably worked out well for them because they've got 2,800 coming in the away end I'm not actually sure I could if with 2,800 Aberdeen fans it's actually possible to have more home fans how big's the ground it's only about I think it's 6,000 or six. something oh, yeah, it's possible, so yeah. it's possible right I thought it was just under um, five and a half or something like that so. it's just strange because Aberdeen only had like End stand and a bit of the main stand, yeah. If or not the main stand, the one opposite the main stand that you see in the camera. So uh, I can't imagine how that works out. The how small the six. goal behind uh, the stand behind the other goal is, I think it's really, G-O-N. really small five five rows or something. The I've actually end, never like. been, I don't think anybody here has been, but we've had we've got a few people on the podcast who have been up. Connor seen hmm. a side get beat 7 0, and uh, Kelly Cal's been up with with Kamarnik as well. But I've not disappointingly hmm. been to Dingwall, but not to the. Yeah, if you're from the J-Line, just let us know how many rows that stand actually holds and how many people <laughs> it holds as well. Uh, another point I want to raise from this game is just how bad <sighs> Jamie Kevely is. What is going on there, Lewis? He's just, he's turned in from, I know he wasn't a great time at Scotland, but he was a Scotland international and now he's he's the worst player in the league. Uh, and the cup. Obviously, bear in mind, we've not watched a full game, so if he had a blinding performance, <laughs> then, you know, tell me I'm wrong, but uh, just based off that one wee moment when he... I think he passed. It was right in the middle of the uh, the park almost, and you know, no danger at all, and just completely lost control of the ball. And McGinn kind of runs through, and he's a wee bit unlucky. Uh, Fox makes quite a good save, but yeah, I think in general it just seems every week that you know, oh McEvoy's got a red card, or McEvoy's got this, or McEvoy's done that. Like, uh, and compare that to the start of the season when you're thinking, oh, oh Ross County have got signed Jay McEvoy. I mean, he'd mm. probably quite a decent, uh, decent signing for them, and. Uh, Maybe just from the outside looking in, it hasn't really been the case. Certainly seemed like a deserved victory for Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Ross County did very little um, throughout the highlights. They will play Aberdeen, as we say, Partick Thistle at home in the next round. Thistle don't have a great record at Pataudry. Is this a foregone conclusion, to quote David Brent, if, that Aberdeen will win this? If Aberdeen play like they did against County, they will. I think the thing that impressed me most about Aberdeen was how energetic they were, um, especially because a lot was made last week about County pressing um, centre halves and things like that and Aberdeen just played through it like they just cut through them and that's what I was going to say when you were talking about Jamie Kevley in his defence I mean he's still a terrible footballer right don't get me wrong but Aberdeen were so quick their movement their passing the way they were playing out wide and things like that and just how direct they were I think it would have been a nightmare for just about any fullbacks in the league um, you know to deal with them on on Saturday they were were really really good um, and I think they will 
find it fairly comfortable. <coughs> Obviously, you never know, but I think they'll they'll be in the semi-finals for sure. Mm. In my opinion, <laughs> said it from the, said it from the start. Pine Balls were tipping Partick Thistle to win the cup, and it's it's going to happen. To be no, fair, I mean, I'd, I'd argue this is probably the closest tie um, between the teams. I don't think there's, although there's still a wee bit of a gap, there's not as much a gap as there would be if it was Who, Hearts against... Who's Air the fourth one? I can't think I saw Celtic, Samaritan, and aye. obviously Rangers, yeah. or Hamilton, or... Um, Dunfermline. Dunfermline, sorry. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. First game of the weekend was at Celtic Park. It was Celtic 6, Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle... Now, Moussa Dembele got three of the goals, a second hat-trick in a row. It was the first time that's happened for a Celtic player since Henrik Larsson did it back in season, I think it was 1998, <laughs> it was February 1999. First player to get three hat-tricks in a season since Larsson in his famous season 2000-2001. He got four that season, Dembele's only one off that. Now, Cali set out to to kick Celtic off the park much like they did in the league game earlier on in the season uh, and it didn't work uh, I fear for them mm. I, I fear for them in the league this season it, th- there was not uh, a good footballing performance at all um, I mean I was I was at the game and there was a, a large group of pigeons that had settled on the pitch uh, on the, the left hand side of the pitch where Cali would have been attacking in the second half and it took Michael Lustig to go over and just to shoo them away, to eventually get them away, because there was there was nothing coming up that Cali left hand side during the second half. Um, there were there were some there were, I think there was at least ten fouls in the first half. I'm gonna say mm. from Cali Thistle. There was, there was a few uh, rough ones as well. There was a few rough ones. I can't. The Sinclair one. The Sinclair one. I I thought at the time it was a it was a straight red. I'm not entirely sure now, but I'd say it's a. It's, it's a hard red, I would say. It's not a red card at least. A red card at least. Maybe a hard yellow, but um, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have much hope for Cali Thistle this season. Um, but then again, I think Celtic would have taken apart anyone they played on Saturday. I think that's kind of my kind of thinking, though. Is all right? You're playing Celtic, who are obviously on in terrific form this season, but. There was, I mean, even for a team going to Parkhead against that Celtic team, that was fairly pathetic from Inverness by the looks of it. Um, obviously, given my allegiances, I don't have as much a problem with 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 uh, some of the, the the tackles on Celtic players as, as you do, obviously. But it did seem after one 0 it was as if they were just going to try and start taking names. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, and they were just Celtic just cut through them time and time again. Yeah. Um, the one positive I will say for Inverness from from Saturday was that Richie Foran had a nice jacket on, and that that is about it. Um, but Owen Fawn Williams did absolutely nothing mm. to dispel my notion that he is the utter worst goalkeeper in this league. He is pish. Are you gonna, absolutely terrible. Are you gonna take back well, what you said about him earlier on the season? No, well, I'm not because he had God. he had two games earlier on in the season, <laughs> and if you guys out there listening to this want to seek out the highlights the game the 3-0 game at Parkhead he makes one of the best saves I have ever seen from a Lee Griffiths shot Lee Griffiths is bearing down and goal it's crossed into him he volleys it from a close <coughs> point blank range Fawn Williams or Juan Williams as uh, Stevie Thompson called in commentary <laughs> is going to his left and touches it away to the right and puts it over the bar the other game the only team that have taken points off Celtic this season the only goalkeeper who has taken points off Celtic this season in domestic football if you want to phrase it that way that performance and that result was due to him completely. He was amazing that day. Look at all the highlights. 2-2 it was. Watch all the highlights. He 
he's a good keeper. He's a good keeper. No, I don't want to compare the Inverness goalkeeper to the worst human being in history, but Hitler was nice to dogs. So you know, uh, there's lots of stuff about that, like um, like uh, Vladimir Lenin, like really liked kittens and stuff like that. You Chris know, Chris was a really good wrestler. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, it's just uh, can you really can you really compare that? I'm not having Nobody this. Nobody said he was this. nice to animals. They said he had a good game against. <laughs> I don't know what, what's happened here. I, I think I think Owen from Williams. I mean, he's in the Wales squad. Come on, oh, they're a, come they're on. the top four teams in Europe. Yeah, he was he was a meme at the Euros, so he's Aye. definitely good. Do you me- remember that? Like players left at Euros, Tottenham zero, Chelsea zero, Inverness one. I think it was Barcelona zero. Was it Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> I, Spanish I, I tried to um, say that to somebody yesterday, and I said Real Madrid zero, forgetting that Ronaldo was obviously Portuguese. <laughs> uh, well, Bale as well. Pepe and Bale, yeah. Mm. Yes, anyway, that kind of took a weird kind of path there after I even mentioned Owen Fawn Williams. But yeah, James Forrest actually set up some goals. He's, he's, I'd say in terms of if he if he desperately likes the bottle of champagne you get from man of the match, I'd be disappointed. Dembele scored a hat-trick. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Uh, the first one, obviously, as we've mentioned before, Fawn Williams can probably do better for the first Dembele shot. That's a tough shot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the two crosses he sticks in, Later on in the match, uh, the one for the Tierney header is a great ball. It's a great header mm. as well from Tierney, and uh, the one for the Dembele goal identical, pretty much. Aye, um, he, I, I thought he had, I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, he doesn't get, he doesn't get the same kind of love a lot of the other academy players for Celtic have gotten. Um, it's not a stick from a lot of fans. Right, 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 was so sometimes, but and it, it it comes from the perceived lack of effort that you often see from. Yeah. And I'm a big James Forrest fan. The thing I want from James Forrest is consistency. He plays games like he did on Saturday all the time, and he won't be at Celtic for very long. He was fantastic. <clears> he was a live wire. He was running at players. He was everywhere. He was anywhere. But I want to see it next Saturday against Motherwell. I want to see it the following week. I want to keep seeing it from James Forrest. And for me, we, we don't see it enough um, from James Forrest. But yes, it's Celtic just uh, fantastic again. 6-0, most comfortably through um, in a cup tie. I think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a team been so dominant in a cup game than that. Inverness, best attack they had was in the first 20 seconds. They didn't beat that at any point during the game. Celtic will play St Mirren in the next round. St Mirren got a 3-2 victory over East Fife. East Fife must be kicking themselves now, the fact they could have been going to Celtic Park. Um, what's the St Mirren Cup record? Is it nine wins out of ten in the Cup? Two wins in the league all season? I think they've only lost one and it was Hamilton maybe in the League Cup group stage. Perhaps, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think I think uh, Air beat them, actually. <coughs> no, St Mirren no? beat Air. They scored the last minute. Did they? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right. And then they spent an hour trying to score against Edinburgh City. Tell us the story, Gamba. Oh, I mean, it's it's one of the it's one of the great stories from the, the angriest stand in Scottish football. Uh, they, they went three nothing up against Edinburgh City very quickly, and then they they didn't they didn't they, I mean they couldn't there was there was no real effort in that last hour against Edinburgh City, and uh, they needed to win four 0 to go. through They needed to win four 0 to go through. They 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 won three 0 and I've never seen an angry reaction to a three 0 win in my entire life. I mean. I mean, if I if I had a penny for every time the, the phrase "fucking shite bag" was used, I'd, 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 I'd probably probably close to it. Yeah, it was uh, it was something else that game. Yeah, I've, I've, just in terms of a three 0 win, I just cannot believe there's the, the venom and vitriol that came out of that mm. game. <laughs> yes, booze indeed, but the booze perhaps turned to yes on Saturday because St Mirren got a three two win 
at East Bayview, East Bayview, New Bayview, home of East Fife, of course. Um, what's going on with St Mirren? Why are they suddenly good in the Cups? Or why are they good in the Cups forever? Maybe it's kind of similar. I think somebody made the, the comparison to Dundee United last season as well. Maybe it's just the fact that these Cup games offer a wee bit of relief from the daily grind of being an atrocious championship side. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they seem to... I mean, they just about got over the line. East Fife pushed them quite hard um, in the game, but it's, I mean, we could probably stop talking about this right now because Celtic are going to absolutely mm. hammer them in the next round. But I wouldn't be so quick to say that. If there's one team we know that will stop the treble, <laughs> it's St Mirren. They've got TNS oh, in one cup and Celtic in the other cup, so basically they're playing the two most informed teams in the UK. To probably TNS, probably in Europe. Aye, but in general, I think TNS won like 27 games yeah. in a row prior to that, so I think they're alright as well. So St Mirren, I don't hold much hope out for you in either of the, the cup competitions, but then again, they'll, they'll probably win them both. Uh, that's an interesting point that um, Gambon Lewis were saying that Alo are probably the best team they've seen domestically. They set up against Celtic and that was Jack Ross, obviously, mm. coming back with St Mirren, so... If he's, well, you'd imagine that St Mirren have got a better squad than Alloa. Whether that's actually true, we'll probably mm. find out when Alloa are in the Championship next year and St Mirren are in League One. But, um, you know, if, if he can go and do that with Alloa, then I don't see any reason why St Mirren can't frustrate Celtic. Uh, I don't think it'll be, I'm not going to say St Mirren will win, but, uh, well, you never know. Yeah, hard fought victory. They had a big away support, I know, as well there. St Mirren and Lewis Morgan. Double got them through. Um, really nice finish for his third goal, I think mm. it was. Really just kind of mm. curled it around the keeper. It was a good goal. The East Fife penalty, and I've not actually seen this. What was the, the problem with this? Nobody, I believe nobody, <laughs> nobody has any idea why it was given. I think there's nobody. A, ball, like a ball goes into it. I'm going to say like the back post, and the keeper jumps up for it, and he takes the ball down, and there's maybe an East Fife player near him, and a penalty is given. And the Samaritan Twitter account just said, penalty East Fife, no clue. No it's chance, no like, idea. It's kind of like, you know, for anybody that obviously plays the uh, the highly popular football video game FIFA, uh, when like a player just runs into an opposition Love player in the kids. box and it's got nothing to do with what's going on and you get a penalty, it kind of seems something like that, just a totally random incident that never really should have been a penalty, to be honest. Mm. Hopefully we don't get stuck into the ref as much as we did last week, but it was pretty scandalous, I thought. <laughs> yes, you were at air on Saturday, Johnny. Yeah, Um I've seen better games of football. It was it wasn't great, and the two managers kind of just summed it up. I think it was. I'd actually credit Clyde and say they deserved to take air to a replay. If you look at the stats, I think I got I got back said to Gamba, he says how's the game? Um, yeah, it was decent. Clyde probably deserved the replay. Comes up on on sports scene. Uh, the goal show I think air had about twenty shots to Clyde's one on target or something mm. like that, and. But you just air, they're so unconvincing in attack, it's incredible. A few long range shots, but um, nothing. All credit to the Clyde keeper, by the way, who was 18 years old, signed after being released from Livingston on the Friday afternoon and probably had the game of his life. And he was incredible. But they're just so unconvincing going forward there. And this is a Clyde team that have got two points out of the last 24 in the league, and they're both 0-0 draws with Edinburgh City, so they're probably the most unspectacular good, good team. Good results, to be fair, Edinburgh City. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's the most uninspiring team you could probably come up against. And at home as well, uh, Air, I think there's something like 14 matches without a win. 22nd if, of October. 
They've, is that they've not won a game since then? I thought that was a home game. They've not won at home since October yeah, the twenty second. That, that's the same day that Clyde last won an away match. It's also the same day that Andrew Gamba celebrates his birthday. Yeah, I I put that stat down and we found out that it was a uh, Gamba's birthday. <laughs> I didn't dare to say that to either manager after the game though, because they were both suitably miserable as usual. Ian McCall comes out, answers two questions, and all right, guys, see you later. You know, when it's not, like, gets to the end, there's a bit of a silence and the manager goes, all right, guys, is that okay? Ian McCall, just, he genuinely, like, barged the boys out of the way. Like, he's just out there as soon as possible. <laughs> he's not um, quite Brown Ferguson, is he? No, he's not. He's not quite as cute as Big Brown <laughs> Ferguson. Um, Barry Ferguson, much and such the same. Uh, they're all, they've all got the time for the BBC, but not for the, the burst ball, unfortunately. Well, not that was mm. there for the burst ball. But. Ian McCall apparently doesn't have much time for the BBC. Not very happy in several occasions this season. With uh, the, I've no? heard that at the sports side. He was talking about Broadcasting that, yeah. Corporation. He feels yeah. have been very biased um, or anti-biased towards the pro-Kelly agenda. I think they've just... Um, I don't know, it quite stems out. I think they've maybe talked to you down quite a lot. I think, I, I think it's like the whoever's been at the matches and they've uh, maybe been I as he said talking down there during the games and stuff and I think yeah certainly wasn't happy um, according to Sports Sound anyway when mm. he was on that was quite an interesting lesson by the way it was Barry Ferguson Ian McCall yeah. also had Billy Brown on the phone at one point um, I think I've had enough of those interesting isn't the word that Johnny's using to describe their post-match interviews on Saturday anyway they'll have to do it again I think they're playing probably in about five minutes because it's Tuesday night isn't it no today's I know, but you know what I'm saying? Like The replay is so close to full time that they might as oh, well right, just yeah. played it on the pitch after the game at Somerset and <laughs> Yeah, I heard Barry Ferguson after the game running around asking what time kick-off was <laughs> on Tuesday and I said, Barry, you should have probably organised this before. Is this how little faith you've it's got the same in your way own Ian, team? Ian Cathro in the, the game uh, against Wraith. Uh-huh. He was like, yeah. we need to play on, on Tuesday or Wednesday. That, that's fine, that's fine. Bye. Um, the winner of that one will play. That's quite a good Catherine impression, actually. Aye. Yeah, thank you. That's fine. Um, probably helps. I'm typing away on a keyboard as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. The winner uh, goes to the capital um, of Scotland to play Hearts or Hibs. Air are unbeaten in Edinburgh against Hibs this season. So if they, if Hibs beat, if Hibs, well, sorry, if Air beat Clyde, Hibs may as well not bother beat Hearts mm. because they're going out anyway. Pretty much. Aye. Sure. Fair enough. Why well, not? We'll move on to Hearts Hibs. This has deliberately been left. Thank you, Lewis. As the last game, oh, it was it was the biggest, <laughs> the, the most build game ahead of yeah. this, and it was, it was really just dire. terrible. There, there's a nice wee, and I, we're not usually ones to talk down the Scottish game, but there's a nice wee clip. I think it's about a minute long where a guy's just taking the the highlights or the lowlights from the game, and it's just like loose control, terrible shooting, horrendous tackles. It was just a really bad game I mean the state of the Tynecastle yeah. pitch maybe had a bearing on the match Neil Lennon certainly thought so Jason Cummins in traditional fashion tweeted after the game Tasmanian devil the groundsman at Tynecastle as we monkey emoji yes conditions killed the game fans were outstanding though we go again next Wednesday that emoji the kind of Ronaldinho celebration type thing and then a trophy as well have they got their eyes on the trophy Lewis yes I thought I think Hibs will actually be quite confident going into this one. You know, I agree. It won't be a bad pitch, you'd think. Mm. Um, Proper deja vu thing to last year. Exactly. The yeah. fact it's a game that's going to be on in a Champions League nights again, the periscope's yeah, going thought, to be out. Yeah. It will be a sellout like it was yeah. last year because it's not in telly anywhere. It could be pretty spectacular. It could be. Uh, unfortunately, last year it was a great uh, two-each game. Um, yeah. The first leg and uh, 
well, this one, it was just utter, utter dire. Utter, utter dire. Utterly, utterly dire. Yeah, I don't know why I think this. I mean, I tipped Hibs pre-match on this one on Sunday, and I thought they had some good chances. I don't think there's a lot of... There's a massive gulf between these sides. I know, obviously, there's a gulf in terms of... There's a whole league between them, but... I, I don't see there being too much between them and I think Hibs might just have that edge or have the home crowd as you said flashbacks to last year mm. as well um, and I think they'll they'll be a wee bit more confident as well going into it just because of the whole having the confidence from winning a cup last year and from you know a very good league campaign mm. as well I'm still tipping Hearts to go through I think I think Hearts I don't think there's a hell of a lot between them I think Hearts are a stronger team than Hibs I think Hearts have better players than Hibs as much as they were poor in stages yesterday probably summed up by I think three or four players going to try and tackle Grant Holt and none of them been able to dispossess him somehow which was just an amazing moment He's a very large man yeah for you also the fact Grant Holt and Aaron Hughes were playing against each other like they must have about 500 Premier League games down south between them and they've suddenly rocked up playing in Scotland it's a kind of strange one but yeah I think Hearts I think Hearts look like they have real speed and creativity about them it was the first time I've properly seen them I think Ismar Gonsalves yeah. despite the fact he fell over himself and then just about killed David Gray um, I thought he, he looked really good I think Jamie Walker and, and Nicholson were quiet but I think Hearts have a lot of players like Arnold Schum looks like he's just the most confident guy on the planet after winning the African Nations Cup um, and he he looks a, a top top player so I think Hearts will have slightly too much. I know it seems strange to say that after such a close game when Hibs were probably slightly better, although I think a draw was mm. fair. But I think Hearts, I've got a feeling for Hearts in the replay. It's just a, a feeling I've got. See, I, I don't know if you did you watch the whole game? No. See, all right, because I've, I've only seen the highlights, and to me, it seemed as though in both halves Hibs grew into the game and, and won more and were a bit more intense and more kind of up for it I thought I, mm. I think they they looked the more likely of the teams to score and for me I think going back now Easter Road there seems to be amongst <laughs> the supporters this the, the momentum of, of trying to go and do it again obviously it'll be a better pitch they'll be at home I think I think Hibs will beat them I think I, I, I get what you're saying because we saw it against Rangers how good this Hearts team can mm. be and there were flashes of it yesterday particularly at the start of both halves but um, I think I think Hibs might just I, I just think the momentum they'll have coming out of this, this fixture they seemed quite confident as the game went on whereas Hearts I think looked a wee bit more nervous at, at, at times um, so obviously anything can happen and, and hopefully it's I, I mean a lot, a, a lot better of a game than, than the one yesterday but for me I think Hibs will beat them I think a final note I'd make as well is the the quality of the away support uh, at Tynecastle and the noise made. That was not like Hibs fans we've previously seen. A, a lot of the chat in recent years has been how Hearts fans are the ones who are, are fantastic and noisy and buoyant and turn out in their numbers. And that is obviously still the case. But I thought Hibs, since winning the Scottish Cup and the fact they can see promotion coming now, I think Hibs fans really got behind their team. And I think the atmosphere in that that second game, we know Hearts will fill the, the away stand. I think that could be a real good game. If there's tickets going, I would love to be there. But I don't think uh, I don't think A will get a ticket and B I wouldn't want to deprive any Hibs fans of a Connor, ticket. Connor Park kind of sat back in his, his chair in the pub that we were watching it in um, before we went to Ibrox yesterday and went, I'll get a ticket for that. Just seems fairly confident. So Speak to Connor Park. Nah, I'm alright. Premiership, Dundee drew with Kilmarnock. Chris Boyd's fifth goal of the season. 
kind of poked it round the keeper and then thought he was maybe going to go on the end of it um, but didn't quite get it it went into the net uh, Callum Fisher's away by the way just to point out to, to all the listeners I'm going out for dinner so thanks lads where are you going? Uh, chestnuts nice Tempura. enjoy enjoy thank you see you later goodbye um, yes Chris Boyd scored his fifth goal of the season however Dundee did fight back a strange leveller from Kevin Holt Freddie Woodman, the Kelly keeper, the new Kelly keeper, way off his line for that one. The result sees Kelly into sixth place, um, although Motherwell, who are in eighth on one point behind, have a game in hand as well. Kelly kind of keeps that run going, Johnny, where they don't seem to lose many games against the teams that are around them. Yeah, and that's Kelly into the top half now. And But you feel, <clears throat> with this being a week where these two teams were the only two playing, that they would have both been... I mean. Kelly go into the top half obviously anyway but they're only three points clear of the relegation had Dundee won I think they would have eased up any sort of problems for the time being they'd have been uh, four four points clear but it just seems to be missed opportunities constantly from these sort of teams I think that's the way you describe yeah. probably Dundee and Hamilton away it's neither results terrible for Kelly but had they won one and lost one they'd have probably taken that um, it's just it's constantly teams drawn with each other down there. I mean, we, we look at Hamilton and laugh. They've drawn nine games, one one this season, uh, only in the league. I think they've only won um, four times since, including the game at Ibrox, um, in twenty-seven games. So, in in all competitions, so it's incredible how little these teams down the bottom of the league are winning matches. Um, it just takes. We keep saying. Teams are going on these sort of bad patches where they don't get, don't pick up any points. But if a team goes on a match, a running streak, a winning streak where they win two or three in a row, they're comfortably in sixth place. And mm. I'm just waiting for this team to to come about. It just seems mm. to be a lot. Of it, it will come soon, I think. Mm. I just don't think it's going to be Kelly. I think Kelly, and everyone knows that I'm not a, a massive fan. I think you've got to massively applaud Commander with the fact that they get results. They go to Dundee <laughs> and Hamilton and they get results. But it's games they could. And, perhaps should be winning as well when they're, they're taking the lead in both games and they're not holding on to leads. I think there's there's perhaps a bit of a mentality thing there and, and I just get the feeling that this is slightly good times for Kelly and they're not winning games. I think when things turn bad for them, I think they could go on a losing run and I, I still, in terms of my prediction, I know it's easy to say they're sitting sixth in the moment, I still think Kelly could easily be dragged into that. They're only four points ahead of Hamilton. Inverness are the one that I'd be worried about, but Inverness... I think at some point we'll get a reaction. They'll start putting points together under Richie Phone. Even if it's points that just make the gap slightly smaller, they could still finish bottom in Vanessa. It'd certainly be probably who most people's money would be on at the moment, but I think they will get points. I just think Kilmarnock need to start winning games. It's all right getting points here and there, but a point's only a point at the end of the day. You'd, as you say, you'd rather win one or two games and draw them both because you're getting three points opposed to two. It's simple maths. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting one. We'll leave the Premiership chat there anyway. Um, and we'll go to the championship where an absolute clamping happened. It was Falkirk 3, Dundee United 0. I was tipping Falkirk to win this one. It's a third win in a row. It brings them to only three points behind Dundee United, and suddenly Dundee United are looking over their shoulder as opposed to ahead of them. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the Hibs have got a good chance to really wrap up that league. I mean, they could go nine points close, still got a game in hand. Um, Morton have a game in hand on them uh, they have a similar goal difference so if Morton win that game in hand mm. they will go ahead of them 
uh, I mean, we're talking about this kind of last week as well. Um, you really want to consolidate that second place because it means you're, you're playing a game less. I mean, I suppose you can spin that and say, well, if you're playing the third, fourth playoff and you win that, you've got good momentum going into that game. But yeah. I wouldn't fancy playing either of those teams. Yeah. Um, I think I think it is just now jockeying for position in that kind of playoff spot of who gets where going into those mm. going into those playoffs. But, I mean, a, a, a huge opportunity, I think, for Morton coming up. Um, there's a very real chance of them getting second now. I think that's your top four, isn't it? Aye, probably. Mm-hmm. I think that's fairly concrete. And I think the point that Connor made at the start of the season, obviously a resident Falkirk supporter, well, not even supporter, um, obviously Connor works at the wow. club. Um, he, he said, well, this is us and we're not at our best yet. And I think Falkirk, we're starting to see them come uh, come into their own. They're starting to play their best stuff. That's... 13 points at a, a possible 15 now obviously with that disappointing draw with air um, mm. in there as well but that's a really good run of form they're starting to hit they're more than capable of finishing ahead of a, a Dundee United side who have been patchy with just two wins out of seven and they've both been against uh, Wraith who have stinking out of form and St Mirren I think there's a lot to be said for Morton as well who've been outstanding I don't think they're I personally don't think they're capable of keeping up with Falkirk and Dundee United so it'll be interesting on Saturday when I'm at that game possibly and yeah, between Morton and Falkirk and I'm proved totally wrong by a Morton side who go on to finish second but um, I just think Falkirk and Dundee United should have that little bit of uh, strength and depth that will see them over the line I think that's Falkirk result though it's more than just oh this is the third one in a row this is us beating Dundee United this is a real statement from them and I don't really recall if there's been that many kind of results like that this season. Certainly it was last season. There was a lot of really big results that they can point to and then they want to run after that. But this season it has certainly hasn't been as good as last year and there hasn't been that many results that really stand out for you. Uh, maybe the Dunfermline one recently. But um, I certainly think this one, you're beating a United side that are you know well fancied, um, albeit maybe they're not doing as well at the moment that... Um, than they had at the start of the season um, I still think it's a, it's a big market put it down Yes, while we're chatting about the Championship we should probably touch on another issue that has certainly dominated um, the pages this week It's not been a good week if you were a manager of a team beginning with the sound Ray because Wraith also <laughs> lost their manager It was, of course, the, the well-talked-about figure of Gary Locke TikTok for Locke was the name of the campaign started by Callum Fisher and it had success because just I think about 48 hours after recording the podcast, in fact even <coughs> less probably, um, they lost to Morton, um, Morton who have somehow had a strange week where they've played Wraith and Rangers uh, and have kind of been involved in this whole circus of managerial departures, John Hughes is in at Wraith, that, that was announced, um, they're sitting 8th eight, in the league at the moment, they're 4 ahead of air, a team managed by John Hughes won't be relegated for the Championship, will they? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, firstly, credit to Fisher. I know I, I know his actual prediction was by the end of January or something. No, not not credit to Fisher. No. Well, he said, he said he'd be gone by February. I said he would still be their manager at the start of February. Mm. I was right. But I'm, I'm not giving like him any credit. No, I, I was no, right. To be fair the to Fisher... Book, the bookies wouldn't be paying that out. Yeah, they wouldn't. Oh, you were yeah. close. There you go, mate. doesn't work like that. 
Well, if you're talking about my bookies and my heart, I, th- I would pay him out because I think you he's have very no lucky. money in the bookies. Then you're giving it out for anything. Oh, did you predict two one, mate? It was one each. or you were close. You go there's your winnings, mate. <laughs> nah, nah, not at all. Uh, no, Fisher deserves credit because he's a couple of days out in that prediction. I think. Um, fortunately, mm. he's not here to kind of defend his own mm. case. Um, but yeah, as you said, a team managed by John Hughes will not be relegated. Yes, um, I agree with that. There's no chance of that happening. Um, at least I'd like to think there won't be any chance of that happening. Um, I think. I, mean, I don't think they'll get. I don't think they'll get playoffs or anything. But I think they'll certainly consolidate <laughs> their place in, in that league. Yes, um, the snowman is asking us right now: Will Gary Locke ever get another managerial job Juniors. round the table? Johnny. Yes, I think he'll be in lower league Scottish football within the next couple of years, probably. Somehow, probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say... I'll like you're about to start crying. I, <laughs> um, I think... I think Gary Watt would actually be quite a good assistant manager. I think it's yeah. been talked about before on this so, podcast. Coach. It wouldn't surprise me to see him being given some sort of role like that. Um other than that, though, I agree. Probably all league Scottish football. Um, maybe at like some Lowland League club. Maybe, maybe even Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh. Fall from grace for Gary Locke. I, I think certainly hearing from what he said after he was sacked, he doesn't have an appetite anytime soon. He, that hurt him a lot. I think his time at Wraith. Um, I've stood up for him a lot. I think you now have to look at, at three sackings. There must be a reason for it. There must be a reason. Um, it's disappointing for him and it's disappointing for Wraith because he started off so well. I think some of the nonsense spouted by was it Billy Brown during the week in Sports Sound as ah, well. Talking absolute um, nonsense. He, he was saying, just talking to him absolute rubbish. I can't even remember some of the stuff he was hitting out of, but it was a really guy. bad. Yeah, he was a good guy. That was mentioned. That was on the Gary Lock bingo. That came they in they early all, doors. They all are, though, aren't they? Like, yeah. Just, uh, well, Warburton's not. We've established that. Oh, either. yeah, of course. He's a bad man. <laughs> but yeah. Gary Lott, I mean, I heard stuff like Ray McKinnon went on a run last year similar ah, to what he kept his job, but that's just a nonsense argument. It doesn't work like McKinnon's that. McKinnon's also not been sacked by pretty much every club he's ever managed. Uh, there was another, another, there was another one that I really didn't like either, but I can't remember. But if you go and listen to sports, I think for maybe Wednesday or something like that, you, you'll hear it. Um, but yeah, John Hughes in at Wraith. League 1, Livingston 0, Stranraer 0, Peterhead 1, Albion overs one and Steny nil Queens Park two. It looks like League One used up all their goals last week. Only three <laughs> games this week, only four goals. Uh, you saw two of them. Yes. At Steny Queens Park, what was the the gist of that game? Uh, Queens Park were excellent, like, really really good. Um, I thought defensively they kind of kept their shape really really well. I thought uh, Ryan McGeever came back for him. He was, mm. you know he's a he's a big unit. He's just, he looks like a rugby player. He was. But he was uh, he was excellent. He was also very kind of technical in the ball, and uh, which surprised me a wee bit. Kind of seen just just his build. Um, Steny weren't great. Uh, had a really good chance right at the start. Uh, Comet Menham had a header. Um, it was a, a, honestly an amazing save for uh, Willie Muir. I think it was probably one of the greatest saves I've ever seen in the flesh. It was it was that good. It was just point blank. Um, and I think even after the match, I think Menham actually thought it was it was over the line. It was that good a save. Uh, both managers commented on just how good it was. Um, but yeah, Queen's Park were the winners um, and they now sit in the playoffs, which is just remarkable considering mm. um, where they were last season. And they, you know, they were fourth place and they just sneaked into the playoffs and they managed to get promoted. Could be that. doing the same again this year, perhaps, and then the championship next yeah. year. 
yeah. and then they'll be in the Premiership in two years' time. <laughs> At Hamden Park in the Premiership. But yeah, Queen's Park up from sixth to four. Stranraer off the bottom. Johnny, a good point away at Livingston. Yeah, that's a really important point. I think it's probably two that Livingston can afford to give away at this point. Um, <laughs> I love I how just get Livingston throwing away points now. Yeah, they're matter. just handing points out for uh, gimmies to Stranraer. Moving off the bottom of the league is important, um, important for the mentality. Five points out of the last three, I think. Steny, I feel pretty aggrieved, actually. I said the table was lying earlier when, when uh, Gamba told me they were bottom of the league because I just don't like to see that. I've grown a little soft spot for Stenys but hating them at the start of the season because, uh. I say, we do we do like Brown Ferguson here on the on the podcast. But they've been in decent form, Stenys, so they'll, they'll not be too worried right now, I don't think. But it's important times where the league almost seems as if there's no teams that are in bad form. Mm. And it is weird. There's no teams that are playing amazing football, but there's... Every team seems to be going along quite consistently, and the league's tightening right up in the in the middle. Um, breaking out of the playoffs is a bit of a shock, though, considering how well they started the league. Although it's been coming for a while, yeah. they had they have kind of. I've I've said it a few times, but Darren Dodds did say we're, we're aiming for fifth and sixth. That's our mid table finish. Job. Like it's they were incredibly overachieving at the start of the season, so I don't think that's anything too surprising. Although I did say it was a shock five minutes ago, mm. I think. Five seconds ago. But, um, yeah. Peterhead drew 1-1 with Albion Rovers. Both of those sides are locked on 29 points. Albion Rovers, however, have played two games fewer. So they'll have a chance to go a few points ahead of Peterhead if they can pick up results in their games in hand. League 2, Annan Athletic 1, Edinburgh City 0. 4-1, Elgin 1 in the game at pretty much at the top of the table. Montrose 1, Arbroath 3 and Stirling Albion 2. Berwick Rangers 2 what did we make of this I've got um, sorry was that really loud <coughs> yeah. there oh, sorry I've got a, a bit from my dad who was at Montrose Arbroath of course he lives in Montrose now he says uh, game of two halves there's a good cliche straight away um, I think Montrose were 1-0 up at the break he says that it was awful weather but 3-1 flattered Arbroath a bit um, he doesn't reckon that Arbroath have got enough to get promoted um, and he doesn't think Montrose will make the playoffs so pretty pessimistic for the Angus teams there but both are comfortably inside the playoffs whether they'll I think they'll have a probably be looking at two games with Elgin um, second and third and Annan the winner of Annan against whoever comes ninth in League One which could be anybody huh. could probably be Breakin could probably be Livingston Allo <laughs> yeah it could be anybody so it's uh, uh, unpredictable but Annan as well just moving mm. clear and uh, Clyde yeah. look at them eight points from the playoffs to be mm. fair they do have like three three games in hand on some teams two and others yeah. but yeah Cowdenbeath still bottom of the league they do have games in hand in Edinburgh City but yeah Cowdenbeath still bottom of the league um, questions we've got in from other guys Matt Finlay is asking us do you think that most Scottish clubs see the cup as a hindrance like English clubs or is the romance still alive here see I was sort of talking about this earlier on with Johnny and Gamba um, it's uh, f- firstly it's completely different to England we take it seriously up here as opposed to England where even championship teams put out you know kind of reserve, reserve teams almost um, rest a lot of players up here you don't see players being rested really at all even even a team like Celtic who are probably going to you know are going to be comfortable favourites won't really rest any players um, if anything though um I think it almost has a kind of it's a it's a weird effect it has on the cup because we don't see it all 
I think almost like the top four kind of five now are so far ahead of everyone else that we don't really see any upsets anymore. Mm. Uh, it's and because they take it so seriously, you know, the, the top teams are more than likely going to beat mm. anyone who's kind of below them, uh, unless of course they play each other. So it, I, I think that's maybe why we've seen um, a kind of somewhat of a kind of boring. Um, Kind of quarter final draw. Yeah. Obviously, there is the fact that all four of them at home and none of them are playing against each other. Um, mm. That also does have a fact doesn't have to be taken into account. But um, yeah, I think we definitely take it seriously up here, and it does have a kind of weird effect on it as well. Yes, Laney D asking what's happened to Inverness? Are they doomed to relegation? Gamba certainly, um, not to talk on his behalf, certainly thinks they are. Of course. Mm. Um, yep. Yes, Skyland CSC asking the real questions we want. Would you rather fight a hundred horses the size of ducks or one horse, one duck is the size of a horse? I'll take on the duck horse. What one's that? The the one, <laughs> the one horse-sized duck. I think I'd take on a hundred nah, horses, small horses. You would just you would just kick small horses. You would just kick them. I bet it's annoying though. There's a hundred of them. See, I'd, but I'd, you would just kick them all. I would, I would quite climbing up your stuff. Could, I could take out disgusting. four with one boot easily. Nah, I would just there's, there's an hour, still under 96 to go. But how do you plan on tackling a massive duck? What's I it going to do to you? Off. Just like quack at you. You just give it a bit of bread and then kick it up the arse. <laughs> I could deal with that. No I would approach this from the food point of view. Anytime I've had duck and I've been aware I've been having duck, I've enjoyed it. Anytime I, I think if you were to tell me, oh yeah, that's horse you're eating, I probably Tesco. wouldn't. Ah, I see that. That's the kind of thing I'm going on now. Probably have had horse and enjoyed it. No, kill the duck. You think how much duck you'd get out of that? That'd be class. <laughs> that's a very fair point. Yeah, duck, duck is a very underrated nice. meat. A rare duck. Uh, yeah, oh. absolutely. So there you go, uh, Skylands CSC. Good to see a Celtic supporters club is asking the right <laughs> questions. There, fantastic. Um, Michael Donerkey asking, should Hibs stick with Bartley for the replay? Immense display in a terrible pitch. I'll answer this. I think we've got to go past the fact that that Bartley is. Um, just a player who's big. I think he's actually a really good footballer, and he's a he's a strong man. But he can play as well. I thought he was excellent, a man of the match yesterday. And I think I think Bartley Marvin Bartley could definitely play uh, a level above. Whether that's in the Scottish Premiership or down south, I think he's got everything. He's almost like a poor man's Victor Wanyama. The way I look mm-hmm. at him, I think he's absolutely excellent, um, and he, he's a joy to watch when he plays. He, he's fantastic. You very rarely see him having a bad game. And that's not just because of his size. I think that's the easy thing. I think he's got a real good brain as well. And he can play a bit as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a, he's a cracking player. Um, he should definitely play in the replay. And I think he will as well. Sam Arbuckle, he's asking, who's finishing bottom of League 2? And are they going down, Johnny? Who's finishing bottom and are they going down? Um, I'm trying to think here. I think Cowdenbeath... Mm, I think Cowdenbeath will be good enough. So I'm going to say... Edinburgh City will finish bottom of the league. Oh. I think it'll be between them and Berwick. Sterling, though, have been in horrendous form, which mm. kind of gets brushed under the... And who, who are they up against? It'll be East Kilbride or the Height Who's Island? Um, you, well, there's actually a good title race going on up there, so you'll probably have either Brora, Bucky or Cove. Um, Bucky just fresh off getting beat on penalties after a 4-4 draw with Forrest, so they'll, they'll be uh, rattled. Uh, but I reckon... East Kilbride will beat the Highland League opposition and they surely they're, they're good enough to play in League 2 and I think East Kilbride will get promoted so either Berwick or Edinburgh City will go down I think Another question from Sam Arbuckle he's asking Whisper or Whisper Gold as he makes his charade through these, these kind of questions that must be asked 
Um, I think it's a strange one. It's not like his previous questions where it's Indian or Chinese, which are two distinctly different things. I think a whisper gold and a whisper, it's almost a whisper or a whisper bonus. You're still getting your normal whisper, but you're getting additional caramel. So it's got to be the whisper gold for me. I'll go with a whisper gold as well. Bold. Oh, I do like just your normal whisper. But you're getting that as well. I think it's quite underrated. Boring. No, no, I went with a whisper gold. I I think whispers in general are quite overrated. Quite overrated? I think flakes and twirls are a much better option. Flakes are the kings. Absolutely. Mm. You have to remember the size of a whisper is bigger than... You get two two or a twirl. I suppose there's two or a twirl, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Good, I mean, good discussion. I'll, I'll go whisper gold. gold. I mean, you're both answering here. You're both what answer. <laughs> but the, the flake is still like. I mean, in terms of the, I think I think the question could be opened up maybe for discussion next week yeah. in terms of the chocolate bar. Which one would you go for? Because I think mm-hmm. Ripple. Where, is, where, where does that go? I think that's got to be number one. Uh, it's a Champions fake. League, isn't mm. it? Yeah. It is. It is. And whispers very much Johnson paint trophy, Johnny. <laughs> mm. Did someone just say Ripple is Champions League? Mm. Yes. Ripples are arguably the worst chocolate bar oh. of all time. What? Do you want to do you want to step outside? <laughs> They're terrible. They just go all over the place. I had a feeling there was going to be some, some heat, heated discussion during this pod. I thought it may be over Warburton or Gary Locke or perhaps Inverness's heated performance on Saturday, but no, it's happened about chocolate. Been, been so thanks for that, Sam. Goal by by uh, Gamble over a Ripple. Good yeah. stuff. Thank <laughs> you for time. that. Ah, Sam Arbuckle. Thank you for all of your other questions as well. You've been listening to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast, episode number 127. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day for all of you people out there with other halves. Lewis Kemp and others as well, um, but not in this room. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, we're just going to go and cry for the rest of tomorrow uh, about the... What could we cry about in terms of Scottish football? Just old Clyde Vier. Yeah, I suppose we could go to that, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. Well, I haven't been offered to work at it, so I don't. Wa- I don't want to. Oh. Don't want to waste my money. I earned w- working at it, what, watching it on Tuesday. <laughs> getting <laughs> cocky, Johnny. You're getting very cocky. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll speak to you soon, probably later on this week. If we're stopped having a go at Tony Watt yet. Um, until then, <laughs> catch you later. <laughs>